Carla, and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersectionality of spirituality and humanity. And now I invite you to settle into that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together can be just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. And I am so honored with our first guest for 2023. I'd like to introduce you to Alejandro Rodriguez, who is the executive director of Spirituality Network, a role he's held since October of 2021. He recently retired as an HR executive from a Fortune 100 company where he led change management efforts to help the organization embrace its evolving culture, among other HR initiatives. He has been a spiritual director since 2019 and is active in social justice efforts in his community. Alejandro, it is such an honor to have you here today. Thank you, Carla. It is a real treat for me to join you. Thank you for asking me to participate in this. Well, I have so many questions for you for about your background, but also about the Spirituality Network. You, you think you know so many people, and then all of a sudden you find out about this amazing organization in the state next, right next to us. I'm in Indiana, you're in Ohio. So I'd love to start there if you want to tell a little bit about what Spirituality Network is and uh, the services you're providing, and then also how you came to be the director. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So it, I, I'm honestly not surprised that you hadn't heard about us. My my own pastor says that the Spirituality Network is the best kept secret in Columbus, <laughs> and uh, I'm working really hard to, to change that. Uh, as an organization, we've been around for a little bit more than 36 years, and um, it was founded by a group of Dominican sisters. It, it has uh, its roots in Catholicism, uh, but over those 36 years, we have evolved to be one that embraces people of all faith backgrounds or no faith background, uh, which I just love. Uh, I'm, uh, as you know, you indicated in my introduction, I'm a social justice warrior. I love diversity and everything about it. So I'm I'm thrilled that our organization reaches out to people from all faith backgrounds and, and, and people that, you know, are just seeking, which is a, a, a real delight. Uh, the organization, one of the main things that we do is training people to be spiritual directors or spiritual companions. Uh, I, I had the, the real blessing of being uh, trained uh, through our WellStreams program before I became executive director. And uh, it was a life-changing experience for me. Uh, I had been on the board Prior to that, I became aware of the Spirituality Network when I switched churches back in the early 2000s, and um, I had moved from a more conservative evangelical church to a more progressive, social justice-driven church. And uh, I saw a sign for a men's retreat uh, one weekend when I was there for worship. And I thought, man, it's been a minute since I've been on a retreat. Uh, let me check this out. And uh, it was just like a Saturday morning and afternoon thing. And I felt like I was with kindred spirits the entire day. And I struck up a conversation with one of the organizers of the retreat. And before I had left for the, the weekend, I had signed up to serve on the board. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I, I, I'm a person that tends to get involved in things, not typically that quickly, but uh, it was just a, a real 
blessing to be able to serve on the board uh, for seven years, two years as uh, as board chairperson. But, uh, you know, it, it was funny. Even with that time on the board, I wasn't really sure what spiritual direction was. Uh, and it was such a pivotal part of it. I, you know, was definitely aware of our WellStreams program and the, the emphasis around it. And I was, while I was on the board, I was invited many times to participate in the WellStreams program, but it never felt like it was the right time for me until after I actually got my master's degree. And I thought, all right, I need something else as a, a space to grow. And uh, WellStreams uh, provided that opportunity. So, you know, a lot of what we do in addition to training people as spiritual directors is things around continuing education and supervision of uh, spiritual directors. So we we host a number of workshops and programs that invite people who are spiritual directors or who are just interested in growing their faith in, in perhaps an untraditional way to come and experience what I describe as wholeness and freedom. Uh, that's kind of what we seek to help people do and to awaken their lives so that they can transform the world. So uh, we, we do a couple of other things that uh, uh, of note, uh, we have a program that we call Art Gras, where we invite people to celebrate their faith through creative means. Mm. Uh, annually, we host a Living Faith Awards, where we recognize people in the community who are living out their faith. Um, we have a program called Women to Women that reaches out to uh, marginalized women uh, to create a safe space for them to just be heard. And we also have a program that we refer to as our JEDI program, uh, which is Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Oh, nice. And nice. Uh, we, we do things that celebrate all different uh, backgrounds. Uh, we in um, Just before the pandemic hit, when um, the 1619 Project came out, you might recall that, recognizing 400 years of uh, slavery, we had a beautiful event that talked about the Black experience. We've uh, done one on uh, uh, Muslim spirituality. So we're seeking to continue to do these. We've got one on Hindu spirituality coming up next month, which I'm really excited about. That sounds so wonderful. If you can't tell, I'm excited about it. I can the, tell. Uh, I did just see, I think the 1619 is going to be a movie. I, yes. I, think I, I just yes. saw that. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that. You mentioned that you got your master's, but you felt like there was something else. So then it seemed to come as you discovered what the spirituality network, but also as you were transitioning from your, in your career, if you don't mind my asking, what age is that bucket or that range in there? If you don't mind my asking, like, when did all of that start? You start to become aware of this, this, this shift that wasn't going to be enough, just like in a in a professional setting, it sounds like something, what I call like that indwelling or, um, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting their names right now. The, the, the creator of creation, spirituality, Matthew, Matthew Fox has talks yes. about, uh, the indwelling presence. Yeah, and, well, uh, so do you, is that something that you felt and what, what ages, what age did that happen for you? Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I, I think it for me, it started in my corporate setting. Uh, back around 2005, I was in our organizational design uh, part of our HR organization, and our CEO charged us 
to develop a diversity and inclusion strategy. And the company had uh, dabbled in diversity and inclusion in the past, probably with less than desirable impact. It didn't go real well the first time. So we, we really took the time to hear from a variety of people from all different diverse backgrounds. And that just caught my attention. Uh, so I'm I'm an immigrant to the United States. I, I came to the U.S. from Cuba and uh, I was four years old, so very young, but I've always felt a little bit as an outsider. You know, I didn't speak any English when I started first grade and so much of my life has been about being on the outside looking in. And it was interesting to hear stories of other people that were in a similar situation from different backgrounds. And uh, I, I'm, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the Enneagram. Uh, I'm a type three, which is an achiever. And mm -hmm. the type three is notorious for being a chameleon. So I've spent so much of my life morphing to fit into one area or another. Mm -hmm. And as I've become more aware of that, uh, and the work that we did on diversity and inclusion, I became aware of the importance of authenticity and transparency and vulnerability. So, you know, I, I started dabbling in that in the corporate setting. And then when I well, went through our WellStreams program, so much of what you do in preparing to be a spiritual director is really looking at yourself really, really deeply and making sure you understand your your gifts, your strengths, your shadow side, so that when you're sitting with someone, you are aware of who you are, so that doesn't impact the relationship that you're trying to establish with whoever you're sitting with. So it was just an immersive deep dive into exploring myself that was pretty phenomenal and just great appreciation for who I was as an individual and the inherent value and worth that I had rather than the worth and value that I perceived I needed to have through my accomplishments. So it, it's been a, a fun journey over these past 15 to 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, it really talks to how you explored a different, a different way to, to satiate what was happening inside you and this unrest or it, whether you call it this unrest, or um, I was sitting with one of my my friends who's who's help editing a book I'm writing, and she said that I didn't describe that powerfully enough in some of the writings. This feeling of needing something that felt like I wasn't getting it in my traditional settings, and she gave me the word of seismic. And even though it didn't come like in a tidal wave, it came more like it just wasn't going to appease for me until I, until I, I, I went there. So at, in it, you know, I'm in my fifties going to college, I'm in my fifties going to seminary. And it, there were times where I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing, I should just be crocheting and taking my grandkids to the park. But I, there was something else that said, no, this is, this is what feels right. This is what's bringing me close to tears every day as I being seen and, and learning the things that are finally talking to whatever this is, but this, this indwelling that's inside me. So I just yeah. love to hear that for different people. So for you, it, you landed at Spirituality Network and became certified in this, this spiritual director, which I very much agree with anybody who's going to be offering any kind of spiritual care, companionship, guidance in any way. 
need some kind of accreditation that goes beyond biblical counseling or anything like that. It's going to go into your Bible college isn't enough to, to be able to help somebody with any kind of life direction. A lot, a lot of times there's an intersection, and I'm sure you can speak to this with people come to you with a, a spiritual crisis that actually manifested from a life crisis. And they start to see how those two, and I didn't think about talking to you about this. So this isn't in the questions that we <laughs> talked about, but if you're comfortable talking a little bit about why it's so important when people are looking for counselors uh, or guidance, I always said I was, I was in spiritual care with someone or spiritual companioning someone. That was language that I used. What do you think about spiritual direction and why that is important for people? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think there might be a tendency for people to want to bucket and organize their life in different ways. Like, you know, here's my spiritual life. This is my physical life and my social life. And so I believe in connectedness, that everything is connected in one way or another. So I, I can't look at my spiritual life separate from my family life and my social life and, and all of these things. It's, just as an aside, we're putting on a workshop on bravely exploring sexuality and spirituality coming up in the next few months, because these things are so integrated. We can't talk about anything that's happening in our lives within a vacuum or outside of the context of everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. And spirituality is part of that. And, you know, I, I think our challenge as spiritual directors or spiritual companions is to pay attention to what's going on in someone's life and then noting what are the spiritual aspects or the sacred aspects of whatever they're dealing with so that they could make those connections for themselves. As a spiritual director, I really don't direct or guide anything. I notice, I, I mirror back what I'm seeing and invite people to explore whatever they need to explore. My understanding of scripture and the Bible and my faith is totally irrelevant to what that person needs to do. So you know, it, it it's just my job to find those things that I'm noticing. So by being very empathetic and in tune and without any judgment so that they can explore and make those connections for themselves. So good. So good. And I really encourage people. I always, when people are looking for that, because I, I gave up my private practice a while ago, even though I could have a full book with it. Now, it, to, to find someone who is certified as either someone who's gone through a seminary program as I did, or someone who's gone through a spiritual direction program who understands that, or both is really good too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, we, again, I, you know, I, I do caution people, not that there aren't good biblical counselors out there, but it can also be in a place where patriarchal structure is such that that is what's being protected. So the, the whatever whatever need you have or whatever brokenness you're bringing to this person who you are trusting with your heart, mind, and soul, they're going to filter it through the language of this literal interpretation of the Bible. And that often leads to more harm than yeah. good. So yeah, that's why yeah. I think having more spiritual directors out there is so important. Yeah, totally agree. I've, I've been to counselors that had a biblical worldview. And, you know, my my biblical view is far more progressive and open and inclusive than theirs was. So it, it wasn't uh, terribly helpful for me because it wasn't speaking to me where I was. 
Well, I have a lot of people who follow me who are deconstructing. And if you wouldn't mind speaking a little bit, because you mentioned that you came from the more, uh, maybe a fundamentalist conservative Christianity into a progressive. So what led to that change to move towards uh, a, a more co- progressive uh, Christian uh, belief for you? Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the walk to Emmaus. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. You know, there are several uh, retreat like weekends like that. Uh, I still have my crocheted cross hanging in my closet that you get I, at the end of that. Oops, that's a spoiler. You're not supposed <laughs> to tell those things out loud. <laughs> anyway, if you make the four days, you're going to get a cross at the end. Of I, I, I have mine as well. Uh, it, it was a, a really eye-opening experience for me. And it made a connection from my head to my heart that I hadn't ever been able to make. So I was like super invested in all of that and very active in our evangelical church. At the same time, I'm a gay man in a mixed orientation marriage. And when that came out, uh, I was asked to step out of a leadership role, which was just heartbreaking for me. It was really wrenching. So I I felt really devastated by my community, but I never felt separated from God. And And even, you know, the following weekend, I found myself in a new church uh, that was more open and progressive. I knew that that still needed to be a very important part of my life. I just knew that the home that I had in my prior church was not going to be the right place for me. But I knew I needed to find someplace. Uh, I found uh, this church, and uh, I'm I'm still a member of that church. Mm-hmm. But through my um, experience, the, our Wellstreams program is three years uh, to be trained to be a spiritual director. And that was when I first got introduced to the notion that there are stages or phases that our faith can go through over a lifetime. Uh, many people will come from no faith to a deep faith and get entrenched in their church, and they stay there for the rest of their lives. Uh, And they're perfectly content with that. I didn't know that I had permission to ask questions that I had in the back of my mind. I thought, oh, that's not safe. That's not right. That's not appropriate for me to ask those questions. Uh, And then when I realized that I could, that led to a deconstruction of my faith that opened my views of who God was and my relationship with God and with the the entire universe in ways that I didn't know were possible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it caused me to say, well, I don't believe this anymore, or that might have served me at one time, but it doesn't serve me anymore. So I, I think I've went through a deconstruction and into a reconstruction relatively quickly, because I I had permission to do it. And I had permission to do it in an environment that was super safe and loving and non-judgmental. You know, it, it's often said that you don't experience change unless you experience some kind of discomfort. Uh, and I think that's true to some extent. But when you're held in a super loving embrace without judgment, you're safe to be able to explore things that are different and not feel the the implications of the trauma that usually comes from change. So I, I think it's a both and where, yeah, 
discomfort often leads to change, but that doesn't always have to be the case. That's true. And I, well, you brought up a good point in that I too felt the same about the Emmaus walk. I, I had, I had a life changing experience there, but then I knew my road back to that. I knew I was, uh, as I was started to deconstruct and uh, going on to seminary, I was stayed in touch with them, but I also, it became very clear that they were closing off the avenue. At first, they were very interested in my ordination until they realized that I was not being ordained by uh, in a seminary, Christian seminary experience. So there, this is a, a really good example of how there is good in that there, there is a spiritual movement that can help get you to where you're going, it might not be where you end up. Exactly. And so that there was a goodness there that I am grateful that I had that experience. But then we all, both of us have had the experience of where that acceptance of us was conditional for different reasons, but very much was conditional. And people at that point have a choice. You can say, all right, I'm going to bring myself into compliance to because because this is the community where I feel I most belong, or I can't ignore where what else is happening. And for you to say, as you did that within a week, you were you were going, something inside you was so um, courageous and strong and balanced and, you know, just grounded in who your your authenticity that you were able to do that. And that's not to say for whoever's listening that that that's that's your story, Alejandro. It's not yes. someone else's. So yes. it's not that you, someone else who's dealing with other layers of trauma cannot take that kind of rejection and then immediately be able to respond to say, I'm going to go find my truth. I'm going to go find people who support that truth. Sometimes they languish in that for, right. year, for years and you you see that. But I think it's also hope for people to say, people who are trying to find the, are pushing up against the spiritual boundaries of their community, that it's okay to go out beyond those because if they are your people, they will accept you back yeah. as you are. And when that that's not, that's okay too, then it's time to move on to find yeah. your next your next experience or your next journey. So I, yeah. I love how you des describe that. I, I think that, uh, well, the social media algorithms totally have me pegged because- <laughs> You know, it seems like every other thing that I uh, get put in front of me has something to do with deconstruction. Uh, yeah. And, and, I, and I am sad in some ways because I understand the deconstruction that people are going through. I totally get it. And I also feel that as human beings, we have this innate need to connect to something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I, I fear that some people go through the deconstruction and stay there without understanding that there is life beyond whatever they've experienced that could be so rewarding and energizing and affirming. And, you know, I think you use the word being seen, you know, you can be seen and you can be heard exactly as you are. And uh, that's just a beautiful place to be. Well, it, it, that's interesting. When you hear my closing, you'll know that you and I are almost, uh, you, you are no doubt you and I are, are kindred spirits in that way. And there are people also, I love that you're saying that and why it's so important that we have these communities that, that we're finding each other. Like yes. I didn't even know you existed and now here we are. Because for me, I always knew, I didn't know what it looked like. 
But I knew that as I was going through seminary, I wanted to help people who I felt were standing in the gap. And if they didn't find whatever this was going on inside them, if they didn't find hope, if they didn't find that there was a way out that they would languish. And that means either it can be just as dangerous to give up and fake it in the pew as it is that you give up, but you stay in these indoctrinated beliefs and you live with this belief that you are a sinful, disdainful person that God has rejected because, but you'd rather live away from this because you can no longer stand what you found yes. in church and you have no hope, you have no options. Yeah. So it, it, there's, and, and then building that community of people around that. The other part that I often see, and we don't often address, but I come across it every once in a while, is the person who jumps from leaving church to just bitter mm -hmm. and doesn't do the deconstructing. So anything that looks back this way as someone who's healing from religious trauma, trying to reconcile their faith and their humanity, trying to figure out who or what God is, not based on the definition of their religious experience, but where is this, where is this spiritual journey taking them? All of that is mocked. Yes. But right. they, they consider themselves deconstructed. And I, I get that quite a bit. So I'm very careful about how I, uh, I don't want to be seen as mocking someone's belief as much as I do as pushing back on those who their beliefs give them the right to oppress another. Yeah, that's that's the only so I try to stay in that. But sometimes it's very easy. I, I get a lot. I'm sure you do, too, on your FYP, where you'll see some pretty outrageous uh, religious experiences where people yeah. are. Um, I try not to get into that bucket because I, I don't want to get into mocking the avenue that gets you where you're going. That's um, exactly right. And and it, that may be perfect for them for th their entire life. And if if that's the path that they're called to take beautiful for them yeah. but i'm with you there you as go soon as you, as soon as you cross the line into oppressing or marginalizing or limiting someone else i can't abide yeah yeah and i think that those like you in your position as someone who is uh, a director of a spiritual community and also someone who's overseeing this spiritual director i as a as a minister we're held to a higher code yeah. And uh, so we, you know, we, we have to watch, we have to watch those. But anyway, that kind of took a left turn with that conversation. But I think it is important for people, they'll send me videos and say, can you believe this? And I think that somebody out there needs to hear that. I don't want to limit your belief in, in miracles or faith healing. If mm -hmm. you need to get up and dance, dance around and get immersed in the Holy Spirit, whatever those beliefs are, can be sacred and good. And I think, I think maybe this is coming up for me because of you bringing up the Emmaus walk yeah. and four days of pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, soul work, yes. good soul work, good work, work. Yeah. look in the mirror and find you. And that was good. That was a good experience. I'm, yeah. I don't regret it for a second. I'm sure no, you no, don't me, either. Me either. No, it was so foundational for understanding my faith. And it, it was a beautiful part of the journey. Uh, it was just, that was a season for yeah, it. it. There you a, go. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the, the beauties of moving beyond that is getting to the place where I don't have to be right. You know, I, I think my path is the wow. right path for me, but I'm not positive. 
you know, I, I, I'm doing what I think is right for me. And I'm trusting that you're going to do what's right for you. I And I love that. And honestly, when I first got on TikTok, I have to be honest, because I had when I first uh, came on the social media, I got so much pushback from the very people that rejected me that really did not want me to be a part of their community, but they really didn't want me talking about it either. Yes, that I think I made an assumption. And then all of a sudden, I'm making friends with a lot of progressive pastors, a lot of progress following me. I'm like, well, what are they doing? You know, I, I bring in this suspiciousness. I like, what, what is this to find like, no, they get me. They get me that they understand that I'm not proselytizing for people to leave church. Right. I want you to deconstruct and, and look back and see where things were wrong, where things were good. And now what serves your highest good? What, what, what will help you stand in your authenticity? And if that means returning to a church that can serve you and you can be aligned in that, like you said, finding that place where you can uh, be seen and held and 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 loved for who you are, then where where what is that for you? And for some of us, we just deconstructed and stayed here. Mm-hmm. And here feels like a it feels like an experience that's never ending. But I also think that can be true inside religion as well for those that, for those who are doing the work. Yeah. I want to make sure we have time. We could go on like this for forever, <laughs> but I don't want I. One of the things that I'm really impressed with, because I took a deep dive into your calendar of events, and I have the honor of speaking next month at your one of your queer spirituality events. And I so love that you are making this not only an event that's going to happen regularly, that you have brought it up as its own unique portal, so, yeah. you know, inviting this, understanding that so many people are looking for that connection and also that healing that has that's happened to them outside and just in the secular world, but also in organized religion. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about the concept behind that and the discussion that you and I are going to have, which is the importance of allies yeah. in this in this whole realm, this whole energy. So could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I I would love to. So, you know, I know the trauma that I experienced from church because of my orientation. And I know that many, many other in the LGBTQ plus community have experienced their own trauma. And as I mentioned before, even so, I believe that there is still a desire to connect to something bigger and to, you know, to move past the, the trauma into something that brings wholeness and freedom. And so we've been doing these events on a quarterly basis. Uh, The first one that we did was just kind of an orientation into the topic and to have a couple of people share their stories of how they migrated through their coming out stories uh, and where they are on on their path. The second one we did focused on the transgender community. And I had two beautiful conversations with two transgender women. Uh, One who was just a fascinating individual that grew up in a very racist and misogynistic culture and transitioned into this the most loving person I think I have ever met. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, she's, I think, in her 80s or 70s. So, you know, well, well advanced and the most beautiful spirit and active in her church and just a, a great story. The other person recently transitioning 
uh, and still searching for her faith connection. So, which is, you know, perfectly okay. That's where she is. Uh, so I thought that was such an important conversation to have because of the particular trauma and abuse and violence against the transgender community. Mm-hmm. And, and so now we're uh, going to be focusing on allies. Allies are so important to any marginalized community. And there are ways that you can be an ally in a positive way. And there are ways that you can really mess it up yeah. uh, with, you know, very good intentions. Uh, do you, do but, you want to speak on that for just like briefly? What what would be a way? I think that's important. For, yeah. So, especially so, for, yeah. for the cisgender community who's, who's trying to be helpful. I mean, the first thing I can think of is, you know, we all have been trained to be white saviors. Yes. I mean, that's that that's always sitting back there that I want to remind myself, am I moving into this situation where I think I'm the white savior, pull yourself back because it's part of our indoctrination, but please, if you. Well, I I think probably the most foundational thing, one of the things that we in the spirituality network do is we minister with people. We don't minister to people. And uh, so I, I think it's really important that when you're an ally, that you don't speak for somebody else. That's their story to tell. We have to honor that uh, people should tell their own stories. So you have to be careful that you move too far into it. And, you know, the white savior complex is a perfect way to frame that up. We don't want to be codependent. You don't want to be uh, a savior. You you want to let people have their dignity and and stand on their own merits and and be beside them or supporting them from behind, not necessarily cutting the path for them uh, exactly. in front. Exactly. That's wonderful. Um, when you were speaking about the people you've had so far in the the queer spirituality, it reminded me of a movie uh, on Netflix called Secret Love. Have you, have no, you heard of it? Okay. It. I don't remember the names of the women, but they were in their 40s. Of course, they had to keep it secret. And it was heartbreaking. I cried during the entire Mm. movie to understand how much of their own lives they had to deny themselves. So just so they would be accepted by their family and basically the the population at large. Mm -hmm. So that might be something that you would enjoy. uh, To hear that story. Another person that I thought of as you were talking as well is uh, Tim from the New Evangelicals, who has a presence on TikTok and is very big on Instagram. He also has a a very good podcast. And what I like, not only is Tim doing the work of advocacy, he is still holding on to his faith as an evangelical. So he's really disrupting the norm. And that might be somebody who might be an opportunity for you to expand in that conversation as well. He's very energetic. I will look him up. Thank you. We do lives together every once in a while. So that might be someone that you want to. I wanted to revisit something that you said about the spirituality network um, before we start to wrap this up. You said something about people existing in wholeness and freedom. And I could tell that that those were very intentional words. 
Yeah. You know, I talk about, you know, showing up as your authentic self, showing up with authenticity, if you can do so safely. But these were very intentional. And I, 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 I respect those. And I wanted to hear a little bit about why, what that, what those words mean for you and the work that the Spirituality Network does. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll start this by saying I, I have really shifted from embracing the idea of original sin to original blessing. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm completely dismissing the idea of original sin as something that guides us. I, I believe that uh, we are created whole and perfect and beautiful. And over the course of our lives, we experience all kinds of things that separate us from the divine. And I, I think our our lives are really, hopefully, about the journey of getting back to who we were originally, to be whole and to be free. And so I, I think it's a matter of finding what is preventing us from being whole or free, calling attention to that, exploring it, wrestling with it, so that uh, we can uncover whatever it is, that barrier that's keeping us from the divine. So it, it, it's really just a matter of getting back to where we started. That's, that's beautiful. And the freedom, especially because for so many people, that word is triggering that it, it can be used often as a, as a, a means of control uh, in that, again, speaking to the people who follow me and looking at the traditional patriarchal language, freedom comes from a place of your God-given right to be free according to this patriarchal, these patriarchal conditions. As long as you follow them, then you're free by through the through the construct through which you're free. So using that word outside of that language is also freeing. Giving yeah. new new definition and just you started this by saying, well, I'm going to give you a new definition of what I think sin is. And I just did a video yesterday and I do this on purpose where I said, oh, by the way, I don't believe in sin. I just throw that in there. And sure enough, people will start like, wait, what? I, wait, I don't believe this either. But what? Let's disrupt this conversation a little bit and talk about what what is this this whole concept of original sin and the brokenness through with these these flawed bodies that we then can never be good enough we can never be righteous enough it's only yeah. through the blood of christ that we can be and again if that's your belief system that's fine but when it becomes oppressive to those of us that somehow you are flawed unless you contort yourself to fit that which often means denying yourself denying mm -hmm. parts of yourself or denying your value system or denying that you don't believe that my religious beliefs gives me the right to oppress another. So I think that's so that's so important to take that language and say, no, we're going to give it, we're going to give it to you and offer it to you as something that is liberating. Yes. Yeah. So it, it, it felt very intentional. I have a dog waking up. So that's my signal that it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Alejandro, I, I, I'll start to close this, but I just wanted to um, give you one last chance to say anything that you want and also give your website uh, so people can find you. And then uh, I'll look forward to our conversation in a couple of weeks to talk about what it means to be an ally. Awesome. Well, our, our uh, website is spiritualitynetwork.org. Please come and visit uh, if uh, you want to connect with me, you, you can uh, link to me from from that website. I, you know, let me just say this about the Spirituality Network. 
I, I believe that uh, we are very much in an interesting time in in society. And many of the institutions that have been so foundational for so long are coming under a lot of scrutiny and criticism, and often for good reasons, you know, the church being one of those. And the the things that are drawing us away from those institutions should not get in the way of helping us to achieve the best that we can be. I believe the Spirituality Network has something that the world desperately needs. And uh, it, it's just an honor and a thrill for me to be able to leverage my talents and gifts for, for that organization. And uh, I, I invite people to come check us out and see what you might find. Uh, the pandemic has been helpful in moving us beyond the central Ohio area to be able to offer a lot more virtually. And uh, we invite uh, all to come and join us. Absolutely. Thank you again. And I'm sure that we'll continue this conversation in the future. Alejandro Rodriguez of the Spirituality Network. Thank you again. Thank you. You can find show notes wherever you are listening to this podcast, and I will include uh, the website and some other things that we mentioned during this podcast. If you'd like to watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, you can go there where we're always uploading new content. Check out this Patreon community to join uh, the Numisoul membership and access unique opportunities, including bonus content and my live weekly gatherings there. And of course, you can, you can see me on all the social media platforms, including t- TikTok, or you can find us at our website at carla.com or numa soul center for spiritual transformation at numasoul.com okay beloveds i'm honored to be in this space with you and i pray you receive something i know i did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear and now beloveds go in peace and be at peace go in love and may you be loved go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone you are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are blessings on your week and i'll see you soon